Hi, everyone. Hope you are having a great day. Greg here. Michelle will be joining us momentarily. Just here to announce to you that this is our very first episode of our Atlas Games series. As you know, the Atlas Games is a sanctioned event, a CrossFit Sanctionals event that will take place here in Montreal from March 14 to 16 of this year. So in about eight weeks, depending on when you're listening to this episode, This is an interview we had last week with no other than Julie Fouché, a former professional crossfitter, now a family doctor in Hawaii. A very fun interview, great discussion that we had with Julie about lots of things. So be prepared to hear some laughs, be prepared to have fun and also hear a lot of barking because this episode was recorded with four little dogs playing all with one another. So lots of fun in this interview. Hope you have as much fun to listen to it as we had to track it and talk to you very soon. Thanks for being there. Share this episode. Go also rate us on your favorite platform, maybe Spotify or iTunes and have a wonderful day. Talk to you later. And since we're talking... Uh, medical science, medical physical therapy. Who is better than Julie Fouché to join us on the podcast? Julie, I, hold on, you? hold on a second. Oh. I believe it's Julie Fouché. <laughs> you have a very French name. The correct pronunciation. <laughs> I think I remember asking you, Julie, a while ago, because we know each other from competing at the games, but I asked you a while ago if you knew if your name was French, and you told me that, yes, it was, and you knew the whole background of that name. Yeah, it. I mean, it is French, French-Canadian. Actually, my dad's side of the family is from Canada. Um, just, I mean, I, I grew up in Michigan, but most of his family grew up sort of across the border in Windsor. So originally French-Canadian, but I know zero French. (laughs) I did not even take French in school. I took German. So that's the story of my name. And sadly, that my sister and I are the end of our name because we have no brothers and we have no male cousins with a name. So this is the end of the name in our family. I'm sure there's a Fouché somewhere around here. Well, there are definitely others, but yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's funny when you think about it like that. Like, um, there's a lot of French Canadian names in the northeastern United States, and not a lot of people know about that kind of history. And, yeah. and uh, you can imagine that uh, a lot of those names kind of slowly die off. But luckily, French Canadians are really good at making babies, and, and <laughs> names like that keep going, keep going. Like, my mom, my, my father... <laughs> I'm saying that because my father is one of 19, so I'm not worried about my last name dying off. But, like, look at Paul Tremblay. Paul Tremblay has he, – he's going on his third um, kid, and he has four brothers and sisters. All of them have four kids. And Tremblay is, like, the most common name in French-Canadian culture. So they're, like they're – like, they're just world-dominating – it's actually very funny because Michelle had a glass of wine before we started tracking the podcast. Uh, she says one, no, three. Yeah. And now she's saying that French Canadians are good at making babies. And uh, we're talking about Paul Tremblay. Okay, and, okay, uh, okay. Uh, this, this, yeah, I mean, so disclaimer, this podcast is going to be 
science-based <laughs> and you might hear some dogs once in a while barking here so we're tracking this podcast we have four dogs we have julie on skype um yeah please don't mind us if there's any mishappen for the sound but shouldn't be uh shouldn't be too bad let's have fun uh, julie Ch thanks for joining us again uh thanks for accepting for doing this uh conversation this interview Uh, so you were telling us right before we're going on air, you're finally having your residency coming in uh, soon. So you're going to be actually Dr. Fouché soon? Yes. Well, actually, technically, I've been Dr. Fouché since I graduated from med school in 2017. But I'm finishing my residency in family medicine. So I'll be done in June and then I'll be able to practice family medicine or primary care. So finally, nearing the end of my training after many years. How many years was that? Um, for me, it was a little bit longer because I took some extra time while I was competing. So I had four years of college and then I actually did six years of medical school. Normally in the U.S. it's four years of medical school, but I went to a program that was five because We all did an extra year of research, and then I added an additional year onto that while I was competing in the CrossFit Games. So I did six, and then residency is three. So it'll be a total of nine years after college, basically. Nine years. Holy. Tell me, I'm really curious. So I don't know if you've researched but, uh, a little bit, but basically our podcast, it's called Nankuhunaisa. It's... It's a Japanese saying that kind of like implies a trust in the future and if your will in the, is in the right place mm -hmm. um, and you are patient enough to let time um, pass by, you know, everything's going to be okay. And based on that, um, I'm just curious, I want to know what your background is, but not not like we'll get to the competition and, and the studies um, naturally, but I want to know, Julie, I really want to know, Um, where, where, like, where do you come from? What's your family background? Like, where did you grow up? What made you kind of like decide what basically was the catalyst to the path that you took on as a, uh, as a, um, a young adult to decide to get into medical school? That's a great question. Um, I had a really great, like childhood and growing up, I grew up, like I said, in Michigan, um, I love Michigan. My parents and I have, I have one sister and my parents always encouraged us to be really active and just go after whatever we enjoyed doing. So I tried lots of different things when I was growing up. Um, I always loved school. Like I was such a teacher's pet when I was in grade school. Kind of <laughs> um, yeah, I was such a dork, but, um, But I loved school, but I also just loved being active. So I played a lot of sports when I was young. But then once I was in about third or fourth grade, I really took to gymnastics and just loved gymnastics. I, I was kind of late starting it. I think most kids like find it pretty early and yeah. get serious about it quickly. But I started a little later just because <clears throat> I, I don't think I had gotten into it. And then I saw some other girls playing on the playground at school one day and They said they went to gymnastics, and I was like, okay, I want to do that. So um, I, I liked that, and then that became sort of my primary sport. And we were also just really active. So my parents um, really liked to ski. So we had a cottage in northern Michigan, and we went skiing a lot in the winter and spent a lot of time on the lake in the summer. And I think 
like the time that we spent in our cottage was really important to me growing up because it was just a lot of family time and outdoor time and um, being active. And then really sort of as I grew up, gymnastics was big. I ended up getting into track later on in like middle and high school and still really loved school. I really liked like the first time that I thought about medicine was um, in high school. I was taking a biology class for the first time in a psychology class. And I just loved the way that the human body and mind worked and learning about that and I started thinking about medicine. I also really liked math and I liked English and all these things. And I ultimately decided to study engineering in college, but it was pretty clear from early on that I didn't want to be an engineer. My, <laughs> I'm just not good at the practical side of engineering. And I like to, the thing that I love most about medicine is the people and the relationships, which I don't think you get so much in engineering. And so like, just as an example, my dad was an engineer. He worked for um, General Motors and, you know, he was just a typical engineer. Like you give him a problem, he can figure out a solution. If I have a problem, I like call my dad to figure out the solution. <laughs> but my sister was the total opposite. She was such an engineer. Go ahead. Does that stand also for your medical career? Like you have a problem, you call your dad or? <laughs> no, not for medicine. <laughs> I've always something happening to my car or like trying to put some new piece of furniture together or something breaks because <laughs> to be honest with you like I can I can see so I see medical doctor and engineer as close because people rely heavily on these kinds of professionals you know um I was I my boyfriend is he's not a doctor but he works in the medical field and he used to work a lot with orthopedic surgeons and And he would always tell me that the orthopedic surgeons were kind of like the um, mechanics and the engineers of of medical practice. And and personally, I would see myself if I were to be, if I were to study in medicine, I would probably move towards the orthopedic side, the more mechanical side, you know. Sure. Interesting. Well, and there's so much overlap. And that's why I loved, you know, I studied engineering in college and I studied biomedical engineering because for me, what made it interesting was when it was in the context of, of the human body and solving those types of problems. And for some reason, I never really was attracted to the mechanical side of things. Like people always ask me, do you want to be a, you know, do you want to specialize in sports medicine or do orthopedics? And I never really was that interested. I mean, I am, I'm, you know, I have general practice, but for me, the more interesting parts were like the biochemistry and the nutrition and the metabolic conditions that people are dealing with, sort of the basic diabetes, high blood pressure, I mean, lifestyle factors that play into all of those. But for some reason, the mechanical stuff never really was what really excited me about medicine. Um, but I loved engineering as a field of study. I thought it was fantastic and it prepared me well for medicine. But I really was most attracted to that It's, I think it's very similar in a lot of ways to what you experience as a trainer, where you just are able to have these really personal relationships with people. And they, you know, right the first time you meet them, you walk into the room, they don't know you, but they'll tell you things about themselves that like they're not even telling some of their family members. And then the responsibility that you have to sort of what you do with that information and how you can help them, I think is really unique and interesting. So That's that relationship is what attracted me to medicine. I have a, a, a question. Kind of, 
kind of kind of off track, but I'm very curious about that. Like, do you feel at all responsible? Like, like, do you feel like this kind of information coming from people who don't know you, the amount of trust they put into you, do you feel like that's something that could cause you some kind of distress or pressure on a personal level? Not on a professional level, but on a personal level. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think it's, um, I mean, it's like, in a lot of fields, I think where people trust you with sort of personal information, I think it's a huge responsibility. And, you know, you always want to do the right thing for people. And I think a lot of times people think that medicine is this exact science, and it's not like so many times it's it is more of an art and people every single person is different and what works for one person might not work for another person. And so that's part of the learning process, I think going through med school and residency and even in my career is just learning how to balance that and being okay with ambiguity sometimes and learning when you can just, you know, when you need to just be there with someone and try something and see what works and see what doesn't work and be patient with it. Um, but, but having like the trust in that relationship to know that you're on the same team and you're going to like work towards finding a solution together. You also had a pretty successful, actually, you were one of the OGs, uh, female icon athletes in, uh, in CrossFit, but did that play any role in your choice of career, like going into medicine? It was pretty clear for you, you said uh, right off the bat when you went to school that you wanted to go uh, for medicine, but the field that you chose, you said well, diabetes, um, having uh, healthy life choices, all that kind of stuff, family medicine, did, that, did CrossFit play any role in there? Yeah, it played a huge role. So I was, you know, I'd already decided I wanted to go to med school. And I was in the process of applying to med school when I found CrossFit and started competing in CrossFit. But it was probably when I sat through my first level one seminar, it was in 2010. And I sort of heard the theory behind CrossFit and learned about, you know, why we do what we do and how CrossFit defines fitness and health. And that for me was really eye-opening. And then with that in the background, as I went through my first couple of years in med school and realized just how much our lifestyle plays into all the diseases that are making us sick and are bankrupting our country and, you know, are causing so much stress and um, um, suffering, it made it, it made so much more sense that, okay, there is a lot that we can do to prevent these things and to treat these things with lifestyle. And so that influenced me to want to pursue primary care and family medicine, which is something that I never thought I would want to do. Like going into med school, I thought that was the last thing I would do. I really wanted to do something that would be very specialized and where I could be sort of an expert in one part of the body. But realizing looking at the bigger picture and saying I can have a much bigger impact by preventing these things early on um family medicine was just so much better of a fit for me that was the question I had I was gonna ask um if there was a major event or moment and this could be I mean like I understand that CrossFit has had a major impact in your decision to non not specialize but my question to, to people who have had a, a, a very um, um, successful path and who have, have attained very successful results is, is like, is there, is there a major moment in your life, whether it be related or unrelated, that, that you can attribute 
um, where you are today? Like, is there something that you that happened in your life that kind of helped you become who you are and made the decisions that you did? I mean, I think there's probably a whole series of moments <laughs> that all add up to like get us to the path where we are today. Um, there's definitely several things that I think of that were like key moments in my life. And I don't know, you know, it, my mom always used to ask me like, what is it? Because I always was just very driven in school and sports. And she would always ask me like, why are you so driven? And like, why do you, you know, where does that come from? And I don't really know, honestly, where that comes from. Um, I think gymnastics in part doing that growing up, it's very much, um, teaches you a lot about discipline and in good or bad, it's, it has some focus on perfectionism, which I think can be good at times and then bad at other times. But that certainly shaped a lot of who I was growing up. Um, I think in, um, in college, I think, I mean, one big thing, honestly, was meeting my husband. So we met in college, he introduced me to CrossFit. Um, and then he also went to med school the year before me, and he ended up going to this school in Cleveland, which neither of us had heard of before, but once we found out about it, it was, you know, amazing, and he got in, and he went, and then the following year, I applied, and I thought, there's really no way I'm going to get in, because it's a really small school, there was only 32 students per year, and if I didn't go there, I probably wouldn't have gone to Cleveland, because there were other schools that were much more affordable and like very good schools that I could have gone to, but somehow I ended up getting into that same school, which to me is sort of a miracle and bringing us to Cleveland and so many things happening in Cleveland that have had a big impact on us. Like the center for functional medicine opened at the Cleveland clinic, which is something that both of us have been very interested in. And we had an ability to learn there. Um, just all of the, everything that happened with CrossFit, I think, you know, these are all like things that you can't predict, but like, I don't know, how did I end up competing at the CrossFit Games and like doing well there? I don't know. But that had a huge impact, obviously, on my medical career and vice versa. Um, and then moments like, for example, during 2000, the 2012 season, I was training. That was during my first year of med school. It was a very challenging probably one of the hardest years of my life and there was points where I almost decided not to keep competing but I ended up through a lot of reflection deciding it was important and that was in large part because I saw how it was going to have a bigger impact on my life and how like it would have a positive impact later on if I could continue competing and then through that platform of competing at the CrossFit Games I'd be able to then influence my medical career and be able to help more people that way. So, you know, all these like little moments in time that sort of take you to where you are. Um, even, even the, um, the level ones, I mean, the fact that I decided to try to try to apply for level one staff and started working the CrossFit level one seminars. And then just a couple of years ago, they started doing these CrossFit level one seminars specifically for physician, for physicians, which was, a perfect role for me having experience competing and teaching on the loved one seminar staff and being in medicine. And so that's been a really fun role for me to be into. And it's been really cool, especially the last couple of years, because it seems like everything's really coming together in terms of CrossFit and medicine and, um, you know, 
everything else that I've been doing over the last 10 years is sort of coming together. Yeah, that's great. That's exactly kind of what we're we're kind of trying to to talk about is these these paths that are seemingly unrelated. But in your case, I mean, like there's a lot of re relation between the medical field and and fitness and and competing in fitness and everything. But these are things that that we try to illustrate, like when you when you plant your seeds in different places and. And your goal is to to grow whatever it ends up happening, you know, if the work is at the right place. That's really interesting. It is. And it's very uh, inspiring to hear you talk about your path and how this year in 2012 was, you said, one of the hardest years of your life and how you took it as being a lesson for you. Uh, not only studying medicine was important for you at that time, but the 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 competition side of things with your fitness career was also part of this journey that brought you now for being a doctor and probably see that what you're going to face in your medical career is going to be probably nothing compared to the burden that competing CrossFit is. And I mean, you see a lot of CrossFit competitors that are so focused on their tasks right now. Mm. Probably think that, oh my God, it's the end of the world if I don't win that sanctional or uh, actually the, the cut regionals or whatever changes were made and that you put things in perspective uh, on on your path in 2012 and continued having success afterwards. I mean, you you were on the podium twice after, if I'm not mistaken, and still competed yeah, with hold also... hold on a second. Twice, one, once because she beat me. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. She... You, You beat Michelle once in there in 2014, <laughs> I think, which uh, uh, Michelle's referring on the time she finished fourth at the games and, yeah, and yeah. Julie finished third. Um, pretty fit people around me. I was sitting in the stands with a beer. It was feeling so good. Uh, uh, and even competing with um, uh, ruptured uh, Achilles, Achilles, yeah, yeah uh, the year, the following year, which was your final year at uh, at regionals i think everyone uh, still remembers that in the crossfit community and that was sort of another similar moment where it was like so many weird things about that whole moment that um that it's like you see how different parts of your life sort of come together so you know i had had some achilles problems or you know plantar fasciitis problems for a long time And actually, they had been feeling really good going into that competition. But the day before, for some reason, I went on a jog with my husband. And I was like, oh, my Achilles really hurts. I don't know why. And then that happened. And, you know, you look back and you're like, people are like, how were you able to, you know, go back out on the floor and, like, get yourself together and respond like that? And I look back. And something very similar happened to me when I was in high school. Like, when I was a junior in high school, I was on my gymnastics high school gymnastics team. I broke my foot early in the season, took me out for the whole rest of the season. It literally felt like the end of the world because I was in high school. And that was like, I can't imagine not doing gymnastics for one season. It was like the most devastating thing ever. But um, I was, I remember I was a junior in high school. I was learning, we were reading some book and we were talking about existentialism in my English class. And I did all of this thinking and like, okay, really, this is up to me. Like, I can decide how to respond to this. I can either make it a good thing or I can be, you know, sorry for myself. So I ended up just kind of using that season to try to support my teammates and getting stronger and, 
you know, seeing how important the attitude was in your outcome. And then I came back the following season, my senior year, and had the best year I possibly could have. And so I look at that, and I, I remember, like, writing about that in my college essays and that having a huge impact on me. And so then when this happened with my Achilles, it sort of was a natural thing of, like, okay, this is terrible. It's not really what I want, how I wanted it to go, but how can I make the best of the situation? And, I mean, that was definitely one of the coolest moments of my life, like, doing that handstand walk and then the whole CrossFit community and the crowd that was there at that regional. It was just – it was crazy. And, and some of the other – like funny things, like even I had been training with my gymnastics coaches leading up to that. We had been training handstand walks with ankle weights on, which was like basically the same thing as walking with a boot. So I was really used to walking with that like extra weight on balancing that way. And then my, one of my gymnastics coaches is a foot surgeon and he ended up doing my Achilles surgery. And it's, it's just crazy the way that life comes full circle and you just have to sort of embrace the like the good and the bad and I don't know make the most of it before Michelle continues with all the serious questions and all that stuff as you <laughs> I MC uh, some some of the competitions once in a while and I was talking with the MCs that were on the floor with you and I was like how, how was it like how was the energy on the floor and they were like man this was just out of this world like the people everyone we, we couldn't say anything like there was anything to say about that moment uh, uh well that being said i think you competed last year at the rogue uh invitational as in, in the legends category can we see you we saw dan bailey making a return in ireland uh can we expect you or see anything <laughs> I know how you feel. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we scrapped that, uh, that, that subject with Michelle. Uh, we, we have to get the question out of the way. Probably people want, want to hear about it. Like, can we see Julie Fouché in the near future, even if it's for, for fun or anything on a competition floor? Yeah, well, I am doing the Legends again at Rogue, so that's where you'll see me. But, um, no, I am nowhere in any type of mindset or physical shape to be doing anything competitive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a legend. I'll, I'll keep being a legend, and I won't go back on the floor with the humans. As long as they're asking, I'm surprised they asked me to come back, but I, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, Mike, I guess my question now is going to be a little bit more personal because, I mean, it's so you're a, a medical doctor, a family uh, in family medicine, and which is probably one of the most selfless um, fields that there is. And being a professional athlete is probably one of the most selfish positions you can be in. How do you feel that that gap? Like, like I know personally, when I stopped competing, one of the biggest reasons I stopped competing is because I was so sick of having in my household this constant demand and this constant kind of like decision making that was always based around me. So how do you feel about that uh, that transition, and and did you feel the same way when you stopped competing? Yes, a hundred percent. I felt exactly the same way, and it was such a relief, I think, to finally stop competing and to just to have that pressure, like you mentioned, off that you constantly have when you're an athlete. That like every decision you're running it through that filter of like, is this good for my training? Is this going to get me to where I want to be when I'm on the competition floor? And 
finally you can start making decisions that are, you know, well, what's best for my family or my husband or people that I'm spending time with. And it's, it seems like a little thing, but I think that it adds a lot of extra stress. Um, and even though, you know, all of your family and your loved ones understand and like they want you to do what you have to do, it's still, it's still, I still always feel bad about, or I felt bad about it. Um, even little things like, oh, I can't go out to dinner with our friends tonight, or, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to have to go home early because I have to go to bed, or, you know, I can't go to this wedding or this event. And, and so finally being able to do that sort of stuff, I think was so nice. Um, but it's a balance, right? Because you can go too far in the other direction. Like you still have to, and I think especially transitioning away from competing, it can be easy to fall into the like, oh, well, if I can't train at that level, like, what's the point of training at all? Or, you know, I'm going to just do everything for everyone else and not care about myself anymore because it doesn't matter. And that's not true. So you still have to, and it's been a process over the years of like finding what that balance is of I still want to take care of myself and make sure that I'm healthy and I have the things that I need so that I can keep taking care of other people, whether it's my patients or being there for my family or friends or whatever it is. But I felt that 100%. You feel like... <laughs> like having that experience gives you an extra sense as a medical doctor like the experience of competing and being selfish first or uh, the experience of living both worlds and and now working as a medical practitioner do you feel like having lived a very selfish lifestyle and I don't mean that in a bad way but I really mean that in a priority way yeah. And living the life of a doctor who, who prioritizes others, do you feel like you as a, as a resident has had a better, more balanced career than other residents? I mean, I think perhaps because I think, like I said, it's finding that balance. It's like it's knowing that and probably it's the fact of, you know, my my career and when I was selfish, it was all surrounded around fitness. So fitness is still really important to me. So I'm going to make sure that I make time for it in residency. And I know how important sleep is for me. And I've experienced that, like when you're operating at a high level and you take care of yourself, how good you can feel and how well you can operate. And so knowing that those things are important, I do, I think, do a really good job of prioritizing exercise, sleep for sure, um, nutrition, Stress management. Eh. <laughs> I'm still working on that. That was actually my next question because because both careers seemingly like if you look at the priorities, which are kind of a polar opposite, but both of them carry a lot of pressure. And you know, people who have a very I, I want to say successful only because you've kind of delivered on the ambition you've had and because you've you've gone for what you wanted. But how, how does that pressure um, represent itself in your life? Like, do you feel like it affects you profoundly? Does it, do you, do you doubt every decision that you make? Um, do you let yourself have some fun? Do you feel guilty for having some fun and, and not prioritizing sleep or not prioritizing health? Like, like how do you deal with that kind of pressure that comes with uh, being so ambitious um, whether it's athletic during your athletic years or your now your professional years. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's, it's still a work in progress. Like I think finding the right 
balance of it is it changes with different phases of life and I think it's always a um an evolution but um I don't know I think I think that I don't know I forgot okay what was your action I went off on a tangent in my head, but what was the actual question? So the, the, the question really simply is, how do you deal with the pressures that you've been through throughout your career? Uh, you know, when you're competing, you have pressures to be always on the ball. And when you're, when you're practicing in medicine, you have pressures to be um, the best you can be and offer the best service. But on a personal level, that pressure, like how, do you, how can you manage that kind of pressure on a personal level? So a big thing for me has been realizing the impact that that pressure has on myself. So when I finished, when I was done competing, like I said, it was initially like this huge weight off my shoulders and I never realized how much stress I was living with on a day-to-day -day basis until it was gone. And so that made me step back and be like, wow, you know, I was living with a lot of stress. This is, you know, I wonder what this, this sort of stress is like doing to me over time. And just the more that I learn and know about the impact that stress has um, on our health, I think that to me, like intellectually makes a lot of sense. And it makes me want to think more about, okay, how am I spending my time and making sure that I have time where I can be fully relaxed and have fun and totally like turn off, you know, and, and be in that more relaxation mode. Um, and knowing that it's, it's important. Like I, talk to my patients about it every day that it's important for them and it's important for me and I have to be a role model for them too. Um, but it's hard to do, you know, it's hard. I think that like being the, the type of person that my whole life I've always been chasing a goal or I've, I've always been working towards something. It is hard to just step back and just be, and just relax and okay with that and feel like, you know, not feel like you're losing ground or you're missing out or, you know, maybe you should be working on something. So that's, that's something that I've always been trying to work on. I'm still working on. I'm not great at it. But. Uh, you stopped competing to pursue your career. We said it a couple of times now um, in, in medical. And now uh, CrossFit has made quite the change. I'm going in CrossFit Health. And it seems like you're somehow implicated uh, in, in those changes. I may be wrong there. Uh, but I know I've listened to your podcast with Greg that you uh, spoke a lot about it. And uh, I think also you've been um, in these conversations. So uh, is there a coincidence about that? Or, I mean, you stopped competing, going a, a doctor and uh, CrossFit uh, broadcasting these changes as CrossFit Health? or So I... I feel lucky to be in the position that I am where everything like the timing of how everything worked out has been, you know, great for me to be able to still be involved in CrossFit in that way. Um, I first found out about CrossFit Health, I think it was January of 2017. No, it was January of 2018. When so it was before I think they announced the changes somewhere in that spring or something, but Greg had told me that he wanted to make this initiative CrossFit Health and he was going to have a seminar just for doctors and he wanted me to come and I was like yes that sounds awesome. I had no idea that they were making any changes to the CrossFit Games season or the organization as a whole. Um, so I sort of found out about those 
as everyone else did, just like sort of by surprise. Um, <laughs> but it's been it's been really amazing to sort of see the evolution of CrossFit Health. So after that first seminar, which was in early 2018, they've had seminars for physicians about every two months or so. And they're all held at CrossFit HQ out in California. And so I've tried to go to as many as I can. And it's been really interesting just to see the movement grow and some of the things that Dragon HQ are working on as far as um, on the legal side of things, fighting for um, basically some of the corruption in medical research and for integrity in some of the health sciences, and then really connecting. I mean, he's connected with some amazing minds in medicine and health and research and bringing those people to talk to the physicians. And so it's been, you know, every time we go back, there seems to be more momentum and, and more little, little things happening. You know, physicians come and they learn about CrossFit and you think about all these doctors who are practicing medicine and maybe they're doing CrossFit in their own CrossFit gyms, but they think about it just like a workout. And it's like, Oh, this is what I do to work out. But once they go to the level one and they realize that there's so much more to it and the impact that it can have on health and on chronic disease then when they go back to their communities, they're able to communicate that better and sort of rally, I think, um, more people in their communities to use it more as a tool for people with chronic disease. And it, it's only going to continue, I think, to grow and develop in the natural, organic way that most CrossFit things do. Um, but it's been very, very cool to see it evolve over the past couple of years. I didn't know very much about uh, the CrossFit health, but it's nice to see it from an, I mean, I, I my point of view is quite external in that, um, in that uh, field, but um, it's, it's nice to see the impact going from, from one place, you know, to another that is, that is from the inside, you know, my question now, I guess, um, my, my question is a little bit broad, but, um, I'm very curious because, because at the beginning, like, uh, Fred and, I, uh, not Fred, but Greg, Fred is my boyfriend, <laughs> Greg, Greg and I talked last, um, when we were filming our intro and he asked me what, what I felt, um, success was. And I felt that success to me was gaining enough experience to kind of navigate the world and navigate kind of challenges um, and feeling confident with the roadblocks coming ahead. That to me was success, kind of having enough experience in life to be able to um, attack any roadblocks that come up. So I guess my question to you is, with all the experience that you've accumulated so far, where do you feel like you're going? And do you feel like you're on the road to the success that you feel is success? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I sure hope so. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think for me, success is... Why don't we start with, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What is success what, for you? Yeah, I think for me, it is, it would have to do with, like, always constantly growing and pushing, you know, pushing yourself to realize your full potential, like, you know, who knows what that actually means, but always kind of growing towards this potential into being a better, more well-rounded person. Um, and while doing so, having a positive impact on the people around you. So, you know, I think you can be 
really mean and be successful but to me that wouldn't be successful like I think it has to be you're trying to you're trying to make the world a better place in some way whether that's your small community your family or on a bigger scale and um and you know only you know if you're if you're growing every day or if you're being like complacent and so I think for me it has to do with growth and then it has to do with having trying to have a positive impact on the people around you um I think, I hope I'm on that road. I think um, this is a very exciting time for me because as I'm ending, nearing the end of residency and starting, think, you know, moving towards starting my career, it's sort of going to be the beginning of a new chapter. And um, my husband who and I, who are both in family medicine, are really hoping to practice primary care in a way that's different and to inspire the next generation of primary care doctors. Um, you know, to because I think it's a field that needs some inspiration and it needs some, it needs more young, smart people going into it because it's such an important field. But I think in general, in medicine, at least in the U.S., it's not the most popular. Um, but I do feel really strongly that it's it's the most important. If we can have good primary care, then we have a healthy population. Um, everything else gets better. But if you think that this is your vision of success, don't you think that you already attained some kind of success? That you've already been there, like impacting people in a positive... In, in different, I mean, like in all kinds of levels, right? Right. Because you've impacted people through your competitive career. Mm -hmm. um, now you're impacting people through your professional career. Mm -hmm. It's just like... And I think for me, that's part of what it is, right? attain it i mean it's it's a never-ending process you want more and more and more exactly it's like i think you want to always be trying to have success but like, you know you're not always going to have success but you want to always be on that pathway and you know i you could say like oh i've had success so now i'm done and i'm 30 and like i'm just gonna sit around for the rest of my life but that to me oh, wouldn't really be that sounds quite nice. yeah i, I kind of <laughs> love that idea i i already passed the mark since i'm gonna th 34 next month uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think it's a constant, like you're constantly evolving. There's so many different phases of life and it's going to look different as you go through them. Well, thank you, Julie. Yeah. Great <laughs> conversation. I mean, there's, uh, I think there, there could be so much more to it and we could, uh, always deviate in many other subjects as uh, as Michelle and I have uh, a little more wine and beer and uh, anyway but <laughs> we'll leave you to your study and uh, make sure you can have a full night of sleep before tomorrow uh, thank you so much for uh, for being part of this we hope to cross paths early uh, on uh, on the legend uh, on the legend competition floor or something <laughs> Thank you, Julie, so much. It was such a pleasure to catch up, and I wish you all the best in in your graduation and in your future projects. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and I loved catching up, and I love, I didn't say this yet, but I love seeing everything that you've been doing since you've been done competing, because I think, I mean, I think it's so awesome to have more female coaches who are really, I mean, I, I just think it's so awesome what you're doing at a high level continuing to coach athletes and being creative and doing everything that you're doing. Thank you so much, Julie. It's such a pleasure. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, this is it. 
hope all of you enjoyed this episode. It was brought to you by the Atlas Games and one of their major sponsors, Accès Physio, who will be handling all of the medical staff and equipment at the Atlas Games, the official provider. Go see them, their physical therapy clinic. They have six in all of the Montreal region and still growing overall great clinic i use them myself and they're very professional working with a lot of sports team professional uh, sports organizations as well accessphysio.com is where you want to go talk to you later and see you next week for another episode of non kurunaisa podcast <laughs>